On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Something. Welcome to Song Facts Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Myers. Calling Narda Michael Walden a musical powerhouse would be a severe understatement. A former member of the legendary Mahavishnu Orchestra, he's also a prolific producer and songwriter, has been the drummer for Journey, co-wrote the classic Aretha Franklin song Freeway of Love, and now has a new album, Euphoria, with the single The More I Love My Life, featuring Carlos Santana, Sting, and Stevie Wonder. It was a joy to speak with Narda about everything ranging from the music that inspires him down through how practicing gratitude changed his life. I'm so happy to share our conversation with you today. So wonderful to have you here on the podcast. Thank you for making the time. And big congrats on The More I Love My Life. And I heard in creating the song, Carlos Santana inspired you with some African music that he was playing. And then after working with him, you brought in Stevie Wonder to do harmonica. Are there any other stories about what that collaboration was like for you? Oh, honey, thank you. Yeah, that's, you said it pretty, pretty good. Carlos inspired me, as he always does. And I brought my lyric writer, Jeffrey Cohen, who wrote Free Way of Love for Rita Franklin, to help me interpret a new way of putting a new lyric with this idea, this melody we got from from the African cat named Ishmael O. And uh, Jeffrey Cohen came with The More I Love My Life, exactly as it is. The more I love my life, the more I feel your kiss. It was so beautiful. And then uh, as it worked out, Carlos played first. I think I went then to New York to do a Rainforest for Sting, a, a Rainforest concert. And I asked Sting to come in a day early to uh, to, to sing on, on this song. And he said, yeah. And he met me at Jimi Hendrix studio and he put down what you're hearing on that record so beautifully and just so professional, quite frankly. Yeah, I was in, I was in LA and I got Stevie to come and do Harmonica at Capitol Studios, which he then came and just killed it. Unbelievable what he's playing on that record. It's phenomenal. So I'm really, really happy that these great brothers are showing me such love and such favor at this time of my life. The more I love my life wonderful and congrats again. I was listening to Euphoria and then I read that you said the goal of the album was to celebrate life and love, which I thought was wonderful. What was your favorite part of making it? Well, my favorite part of making it, I enjoy, I enjoyed the process just putting together a collection of songs uh, that I could give over to Lino Nicolosi and his family in Italy and have them bring their touches to it. I just enjoy collecting the songs, making the songs, singing the songs, talking to my wife about lyric ideas talking to Rachel Efron about it's, you know, you're so beautiful, that kind of a song. I just like collecting these, these, these beautiful nuggets and, um, and getting them out in the world. Uh, it makes me happy. 
I think the world needs more love. I think the world needs more inspiration and more things to think about and feel in the heart that we can celebrate life, not just be, you know, torn apart by politics, torn apart by the sadness of life, but in fact, be happy to be alive, you know, dance, yes. sing, and just celebrate our lives and that we have such beautiful things from God to enjoy. So this is where I'm, where I'm coming from. Thinking about thriving rather than just surviving day to day too yes. and what that's like. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. Yeah. I had heard about how you wrote your first symphony and performed it with Carlos Santana. Can you tell us about that experience? That's amazing. Oh my goodness. It was so beautiful. Uh, it's a symphony I wrote, gosh, how many years ago now? Eight years ago? Nine years ago? Ten years ago? I'm not sure, but it's <laughs> called The Enchanted Forest. Uh, it's seven movements. And I'm so happy that Michael Michael Morgan, the great maestro Michael Morgan from the Olympic, from the Oakland Symphony, um, asked me about writing a symphony. And when he asked me, then I thought I wanted to do that. And then Carlos was very happy to come on board to learn it because it was kind of difficult in the seven different movements. And um, in one of the movements, there's also a lot of vocals with kids and Tony Lindsay and Jimmy Tracy singing. Um, what was it they singing? They singing, I appreciate you while I'm alive. That they would sing to the grandparents and the grandparents singing back to the children. I appreciate you while I'm alive. And it's goes like I said, seven movements. It was born out of a, an LSD experience I had. Oh, absolutely. That? This is the kind of stories we live for. Okay, okay. When I was, before I joined Mavish Orchestra, I was about 19. I lived in Pasadena, California, up in the hills of Kinaloa Canyon with my, my cousin, Art Hackley. I took care of his home and he gave me a place to kind of woodshed, practice my drums and, and listen to my music of Alice Coltrane, Universal Consciousness, listen to Buddy Miles Live, the Double Double album, and listen to Mavish Orchestra, first album, Intermountain Flame, had just come out. And so uh, I'm a bit of a hippie at this time, and I took a little window pane, and I went out on the front yard, the front lawn, and as I can feel this beautiful LSD kind of take my mind to a gorgeous place, I had this experience, a very spiritual experience, which then became the story for the symphony. And the story goes like this. I could see this beautiful tree, and the sunlight coming through the tree was really powerful and really, like, magnified, and the sound of the birds was magnified. So I was like just taken aback by how beautiful the simplest thing of a tree and the sunlight and the birds singing uh, just took my senses. So I'm enjoying all this kind of nature, nature. But then my mind kind of came into play saying, well, you know, this is not real reality now. You're, in, you're enjoying a, a, a high and this is all going to go away. And I got to get very sad that I wouldn't be able to enjoy this anymore, this beautiful sunlight, this beautiful bird. I got sad. And then what happened was kind of a, a message from God in my in my high. The voice of God and the message of God was like, don't worry. You sing it now. You will always be able to see this again. Once you see it once, you can imagine again and enjoy it again. And then... I felt a happiness again that I would be able to experience it again in my life, not just that one time. And so then when I was asked about making this symphony, years and years later, I decided I would take that story and make it like an enchanted story uh, for the symphony of the high of seeing God, this, the light and the hearing the birds and the beauty, and then make a movement about the sadness of it going away and how we have to kind of deal with that 
But then at the, in the ending of the symphony, you know, God reminds us we can always enjoy God's love. It's always here for us. We can always enjoy the sunlight and the and the birds and 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 the beauty of life by just remembering how beautiful it is. So that's what the symphony is really about. I love that so much. I'm going to go a little bit off script in my questions here too, because you know. I watched interviews and heard interviews with you and you seem like you have such a deep gratitude for your journey and for your life. I would love to just hear about how you came to that place, if you don't mind sharing. I came to a place of gratitude in my life. Really, I've always been grateful in my life to have have life. Like my, my grandma Nellie, my dad's mom, she'd be washing dishes and she'd be looking out the window and she's washing dishes, she'd be crying, kind of singing the song to, to God. I'd say, Grandma, why are you crying? She said, well, my eyes opened up this morning. Your eyes opened up this morning. I'm really happy about that. Wow, that's really heavy, Grandma. You're you're washing dishes, you're crying, singing a song to God because you're happier, your your eyes opened up. So that's kind of when I thought, man, this is kind of heavy. That's when I really started thinking about the simplest things of eyes opening up. Because she would say, well, some children's eyes didn't open up this morning. Then later in my life, I meet the guru with John McLaughlin. And that whole life is like, have more love, have more devotion, have more surrender, have more gratitude for being alive. So there it is again. You know, when you play your music, offer the experience of music to God. There it is again. And then they say, don't judge yourself. Offer the experience to God. There it is again. It's all this connection of God and, and have more love for your, for your life and for yourself. So really, it's just a way that I've learned to just stay alive and not die. I didn't want to die like Jim Hendrix, my hero. However he died, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to live. And I knew that drugs could take you out of here. I knew that that being unhealthy could take you out of here easily. Absolutely. He says, you know, how, how, not how vulnerable we are, but how how fragile we are. And it really is true. We are fragile on the, on the planet. So I wanted to find ways to live. And I know that gratitude is a way to live. Absolutely. It's a way of living. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a way to stay alive. <laughs> <laughs> I'd read about your time in Mahavishnu New Orchestra, and it's such an incredible, legendary entity. Are there things that you'll always remember about that time? Anything in particular you could share with us? Oh, I want to thank John McLaughlin for discovering me. I was so pained in my life how I'd ever make it. And I saw such wonderful musicians across America in little dives, in little hole-in-the-wall places, across the railroad track-type clubs. And they were genius players, drummers, guitar players, bands, like the Shades of Brown band, maybe awesome. And I would think, how are they ever going to make it? Who's ever going to come out to Illinois, to Blue Rock, Illinois, and discover these people? Who's ever going to discover me? So it's all this frustration in life as you're working hard to, to, to perfect your craft of playing music, but how to get discovered. Even when I came to L.A., I joined the music registry and tried to find you know like-minded musicians so hard. I went out in the middle of the night to find, oh, Sly Stone's going to record a studio. I'll meet Sly in the middle of the night. Here's Sly Stone. I'm going to say, hey, Sly, are you, are you doing much with the music these days? You go, oh, yeah, all the guy I'm doing really is playing the records, man. And you keep on walking. So I was like, oh, no, I was going to tell him I wanted to play drums with him. Or Richie Havens is going to be down the street. Hey, Richie, you know, just, just trying to make connections. Oh, it was so difficult. So I know what players are going through out there. I give him so much love and encouragement. But I want to thank Mahavishnu for taking me under his wing when I met him. I told him I want to be just like you. My name is Michael Walden. 
I play drums. I want to be just like you because what I saw you do tonight with the concert with Mobby Storchester with Billy Cobham on the drums and, and Harvard Connecticut, it's 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 out of this world. I've never seen anything like you. And he said to me, well, it's largely due to my prayer life, my meditation life, that I'm kind of able to kind of hear this music and play in this in this fashion. I said, yeah, I know. I'm seeing on the back of your album covers poems by Guru Shichin Moy. I'm seeing the names of your songs. Everything is about this meditation life. And he said, give me your number. I'll give you a phone call. And he did. So he called me and I met, I met the guru and it kind of just changed my life. So I have to really thank him for letting, allowing me, teaching me, bringing me along in this way that has, has saved me. I've been, I've been saved. I've been saved. I love that story. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. And in speaking of your drumming, you, of course, were in Journey as drummer. Can you tell us any stories or even any highlights about that time? Oh, Journey's a fantastic band. I got such supreme love for Neil and, uh, and, for, the, and for the great catalog of music. And for Steve Smith, who put all those parts down, he was actually a little bit of a student of mine when I first came to San Francisco. Then he just blossomed into being this genius cat that's like on all these recordings of Journey stuff. And if you try and just walk in and play that stuff, it's not so easy. I, I learned. When you try to memorize all those licks from, from measure to measure to measure on all the live performance, on all that body of catalog, it's a lot of music, a lot of memorization, which really took me time to, to put my head around. Uh, and then we got Dean to come back, who knew the catalog, Dean Castronova, who's brilliant. And then we played together. That was lovely. Having two drums. It's like an army of drums in that band for like nine shows we did together. It was phenomenal. Like Lollapalooza in Chicago during COVID. So, 125,000 people out there. Wow. And, and it was just miraculous playing Don't Stop Believing for all these people who just love that music. Separate ways, all those songs, they just love that music. So for me, I was just um, really just taken back by the power of music and the power of what we love and then the drive of Neil and the drive of Jonathan Kane and just bringing all that good sound to the world. So And Arnell, who can jump 15 feet in the air. <laughs> and keep singing. What a great you know, performer he is. So I had a great time with, with Journey. And I love our new album, Freedom. A, a double album. It's a hot new record. I wish somebody would push harder on it so you all could hear it more. There's some great work in there. And um, I want to wish Journey all the best. I feel great that I was able to help kind of ignite and keep it going. And now they're out there just slaying it on a brand new concert tour with uh, another hot band. Def Leppard or whoever they're out there going to be with now. Oh, great. So they're doing a lot of great work, so I'm very proud of Jerry. I had to come back home with my, my children. I'm raising a 10-year-old named Kelly, an 8-year-old named Kayla, and a 5-year-old boy named Michael. So my family really needs me. I, I can't be touring so much. I saw an interview with you saying that when you wrote uh, Freeway of Love for Aretha, that you wanted to capture the sound that you heard growing up. And to me, it's such an evocative song that seems to channel a classic era can you tell us more about what you learned when you were writing that song? I first wrote Free Have Love for myself. And it was Preston Glass, my, my, my partner, who suggested, why don't we give that song to Aretha? I was like, Preston, you're a genius. I would have never thought that. I would have never thought to give that to Aretha. Or how to, but now you mention it, we can flip the lyric that Jeffrey Cohen's written you know, for her. You know, need to be a vision in white. How'd you get your pants so tight? You know, yeah, but you must be living right. You know, we got some place to see. I got all my maps with me. So jump in, 
There ain't no sin. Take a ride in my machine. Sitting back, sitting traffic moving way too slow. Hit the pedal and go. Go. <laughs> we going riding on the freeway. <laughs> got the wind at my back. Going around the freeway in my pink Cadillac. And I was Jeffrey Cohen's genius to know how to ride pink Cadillac. I goes, Jeffrey, how do you ride pink Cadillac? He goes, wind's against my back. I go, damn, Jeffrey, you're such a genius. <laughs> so that song really was Preston saying, do it. And Jeffrey Cohen helped me ride it. And then cutting it, I wanted to echo what I loved in Motown. Boom, ding, ding, ding. That, 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 that feel, the, the feel that Steve Wonder would do with all right, everything is all right, uptight, out of sight. That kind of drum groove to give back what we thought was Detroit at the heyday of making all the cars, the Cadillacs, and all that, and bring it up under Aretha in a new sound, a new song. So that was my intention to kind of bring it all together. Although Aretha was never signed to Motown, but we established her in our brain in Detroit. So that's kind of what it was, how to make this a global smash. I love it. I love it. And it's such a legacy and it's fantastic. And I know Aretha did too, which to me means so much. It's amazing. Oh, I got to say, and having Clarence Clemens play sax was also a, a genius stroke. Uh, Roy Lott from Arista Records called said, what about Clarence Clemens from Bruce Springsteen to play a sax on Wow. Because... Clarence and Bruce were like top of the world. You know, you go see those guys in concert. It's like gods. You know, Clarence blows that horn. It's like whoa, it's mighty. So he came in playing that sax like like King Curtis, and then we became best of friends. And from that, I wrote, "You're a friend of mine" with him and Jackson Brown and Daryl Hannah, and we became best of friends. So I'm so proud of my legacy with Clarence through Free Wave Love. What's the best song you wrote that few people know about? I love the first thing I cut for Aretha Franklin called Until You Say You Love Me. It's so deep to me because it's the first thing I recorded with her and experiencing her genius. Her father just died out of being in a coma for two years. She would have recorded in that time. So her first time back in the studio after two years layoff was Until You Say You Love Me. So it's really chilling for me to even be in her presence. You know, you look at her and you meet her and you see a fire in her eyes. You know, like, look in my eyes. You see the kind of like, like that in her eyes. And you know she's all-knowing. She can play the piano. She can sing. She hears everything. She knows everything. But yet she was so tender before her father's death. So to hear her sing that song I composed for her, which I cut at that time, the cutting edge of what I heard Prince about. Prince had a major film, Purple Rain, where he would do The Beautiful Ones. Yeah. Yeah, those kind of deep sounds where he did tricks in the studio to make the, the drums sound. He would record the drums fast and speed the tape down. Tricks I did back in the 70s. He was doing. So I kind of took my own tricks with him, what he was up to, and made this concoction that we had never heard for Rita before. These, these bubbling sounds that was hot for the day up under her classic sound. That combination really thrilled me. And uh, to hear her sing that song just knocked me out. I also have to say I'm very proud of my first big pop hit with Stacey Ladazar, Let Me Be Your Angel. That broke open the doors for me. Even Clive Davis called and said, who are you? 
how'd you know how to make those kind of records? You know, <laughs> and then he said, well, you want to work with Aretha? You want to work with Dionne Warren? Because of Let Me Be Your Angel. So I got to thank Stacey that is my first big pop hits. You know, I love it. And what music or musicians have you been listening to lately? Is there anything you'd recommend to our listeners? I've been listening to Taylor Swift. Has become, it's become so huge. Taylor Swift's become so huge that I'm studying her. My kids love her. So I'm, I'm listening to her. They take the kids to school, the catalog, you know, how she came out of the country world and crossed into more of a pop sound, then crossing like New York, the hippest cutting edge with this new album, you know? So I'm really like digging her genius and her versatility. You would think, oh, at first she's a country artist, but she's not. She can do everything. Yes. And she can perform. And she can act and she can do everything she wants. So I'm really kind of taken by her talent and how she's becoming the world's biggest star and entertainer of the year and all that. So I'm really caught up in that because Whitney was that to me. Whitney was the forerunner of having all that gift of singing and dazzling looks and you couldn't take your eyes off her. So here's now Taylor Swift. Dazzling. You can't take your eyes off her. So I'm happy for her. And I'm happy for so many great artists these days. I'm following Beyonce. I'm following... Uh, I follow Adele, uh, who's great. I follow that, that that new kid that was a star on TikTok, The Golden Hour. What a genius song. Yeah. So I'm just always learning. And by the way, I heard from a, a friend of mine named Layla who called me and said, I met this kid in the subway last night. He's awesome. His name is Cruz Angel. So I go look at him and I call him. I say, you're phenomenal talent. I got to work with you. I, I, I hope you're not crazy. Because if you're not crazy, you sure sing is you sure sing incredible. <laughs> so I, this is I, this is how I live my life, discovering things that are are phenomenal that need love and attention. Because A and R's for the student for the labels are no longer doing that. You know, it used to be that idea the A and R would call from Aristotle, like Jerry Griffith about Whitney Houston, or you know, Tom Matola would call about Mariah Carey, or you know, it'd be the, the labels. Not anymore. Now it's about who you may find on Instagram, who you may find on TikTok, who you may find on Facebook. Yeah, we're taking on more of that role now, as well as doing the legendary things I love doing. Temptations, you know, Carlos Santana, new album or whatever. But a lot of my stars have gone on, like Whitney's in heaven now, Aretha's in heaven. You got to discover the new talent. That's really neat what you say about, it's like, I'm going to discover people. I will call them directly if I want to work with them. And that's such a uh, transmission of what used to be kind of the the pattern, right? For how the music business worked. So I think that's really great that you're actively discovering these new talents and folks that you want to work with. Maybe you know maybe you know in your life as we go forward, partnership. I would love to partner with some money source, label source that could help back my ideas when I find these new talents, to help market them, help spread it, help make it happen. That's the one thing we're still missing, that 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 component with the money. To go, oh yes. yeah, we love this idea, this new kid, this new whatever. Pow, bring them on the scene. That's what I'm still looking for. If you know about that, let yeah. me know. I will, absolutely. And in that vein, wondering, what's the best concert you've ever seen? I can't say it's the best concert, but it's coming it's come to my mind. Prince wants me to talk about this. Prince is coming coming through right now. Oh, wow. He, he wants me to tell you about the show he did in Chicago when he was brand new. And he had just put out the second album where he was really going to have his hits of I Want to Be Your Lover and Sexy Dancer. And he was opening the shows for Rick James, who was the, who was now huge. 
with you and I and whatever he was doing with a new brand of funk. And Prince was trying to steal the show and almost did. <laughs> it was nasty, but he was so brave. I couldn't believe it. He was so brave. The sound was awesome. He's a genius. So he's he's rocking the guitar and singing. And the drums and everything is huge. And the girls are screaming because he's so he's so gorgeous. And then what he does, he takes the house lights down to almost nothing. And has a strobe light come on. And then the, the girl on the keyboard would come down and lay on the ground in front of him. And the strobe light, he's pulling her clothing off. He's pulling, you can see the ripping of the clothes. And the girls are screaming in the audience. And the strobe lights are going crazy. And it's like, man. And I was just so taken by how far he would take it to, to, to push back Rick James, to make himself a star. And then the lights would come back on. He'd have a, just a spotlight on his, on his cutout pants and move his butt cheeks to the, to, the, to the rhythm of the music. I was just so taken by all this, how far he was going to take it to make himself a star. He was already a genius musically, but theatrically on the stage, he was like unheard of. And I went backstage to go meet him, you know, because I was hot with I Should Love You Tonight, I'm all right, my own stuff. So he wanted to meet me too. And when I shook his hand, I said, I know you play all the instruments, but what are you going to focus on for your future? And he didn't know. He said like, well, maybe guitar. I'm not really sure. He went on to become the master guitar player of all time. All time. At that time, he wasn't even sure he was going to focus on a guitar. <laughs> but he sure did kind of steal the show from Rick. I'm telling you, so when you ask about the best concert, I don't know the best concert, but he's coming through saying, don't forget how I shocked you on that. And he did. I'll never forget it as long as I live. I have to also say one more thing, because now Stevie says something. Stevie Wonder wants me to talk about when I first saw him at the Apollo Theater, after he made the big commotion of fingertips. You know, my aunts and my family said, you know, there's someone better than you on the drums. I said, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no, no, there is. He's a little blind boy out of Detroit named Stevie Wonder, little, little Stevie. I said, well, if he's blind, how can he play the drums? How can he even see where the drums are? He said, no, he can't. Well, not long after came this phenomenal hit single called Fingertips. Oh, part one and two. And it was a hit everywhere. And I was lucky to go and see him play live in Chicago, where I had family in Chicago, where he was going to be appearing at the Regal Theater. You say, what's the best show I've ever seen? He's right up there. When he walked on the stage, it was like an alien. They, they walked him out. Like a little, little Steve one. Not big Steve, little Steve. But he walked like slowly, like a little alien. You know? Because sunglasses. And the girls are screeching like it's the Beatles. That's how big he was. They were like, ah, electric. You know? The sound is bouncing off the walls with these girls screaming as he walks on the stage. And when he gets to the microphone, his little, he's so pure. Everybody say yeah. Say yeah. Say yeah. 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 You know, the band's just rocking hard. You know, just rocking like a rock show, like just tearing a roof off. I was like, oh my God, how am I ever going to compete with this? You know, I'm a little kid. I'm like one to two years younger. I'm like, it's true. He is better than me. How am I going to make it? That's what happened to me when I'm 10. He's 11 or 12. He wrecked my world. Stevie Wonder wrecked my world. Oh, yeah. It's true.
True story. Oh, I love it. Is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about, including projects or otherwise? We'd love to be able to promote it. I love your listeners. I want to say thank you to Stephanie Myers. You're beautiful. You're kind. You. You're, uh, you bring to me a goddess energy in talking to you. Oh. I feel like, um, what's that beautiful goddess? The Asian beautiful goddess. She's the, 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 the goddess of the seas and the fishermen. She protects all the fishermen. It's a Kuan Yin. Oh. Give me Kuan Yin energy. Give me Kuan Yin energy. You know, when I, when I go to Japan, I've been very honored to go there a few times where I'm being honored as playing the Budokan as the super producer of the year. Super producer of the year. Um, so I bring 60 artists with me. Patty Austin and Shanice Wilson, Devin Campbell, you know, uh, Starship, uh, members of Weatherport, Joe Zalano, Clarence Clemens, all my band, all my folks to go play for them. And they'll give me these big statues of Kuan Yin. You give me Kuan Yin energy. Very peaceful, very pure, and very kind of all-knowing too. Very wise. So I want to give you that love. And then you have made my your, day. All your fans and all your listeners. I want to say, value yourselves more. Don't get caught up in all the political stuff that's going down that's trying to divide us. Work hard to bring us together. We need each other. In America, God made us intentionally of different nationalities, cultures, and creeds that we'd be powerful that we are. So we need each other. Um, and we know it, but we have to kind of keep it fresh. We have to work at it to keep it renewed that we love ourselves and love each other and make a more of a point to reach out to each other. And let each other know that, we were, that we're there for each other. It's really important that America stay strong in the world and remind the world that we are diverse cultures and it's a beautiful thing. We are diverse cultures and we're bringing you the beauty of what diverse cultures can bring. Jazz, rock, hip-hop, blues, country, folk, the things you're dancing to, we're, we're making over here. Yeah. That you love, we, we're, we're making because we are diverse. Yes. This is the beauty of us, that we love ourselves more for what we're, what we're doing in the world, what we're bringing to the world. We can't like be, be so divisive. We don't even appreciate what we're doing for the world. So I, I want your listeners to know I love you. I'm here for you. I invite you all to come to Tarpan Studios and see my beautiful shindig over here, which is the microphones with Whitney Sang and where we cut these beautiful tracks and my drums and see how we operate. And then two, if you have young singers out in the world that I should be hearing about, if they have a little budget I can work with, I love all that. I want to encourage music in the world. I want to encourage love in the world. I want to encourage goodness in the world. I want to encourage, as my mother would say, kindness in the world. My mom would say, be kind or leave. Let's remember Absolutely. the health simple. Be kind or leave. If we can't help, you know, if we have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Just exactly. do, do the right thing. Do the right thing. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. Well, I can't thank you enough for your time, Narda. This has been wonderful. This has just been a great, great time, and I've learned so much today. Thank you. And keep an ear off of my new artist, new girl I'm working with, named Mist, M I I S T. She's from China. Okay. And, uh, and Carlos is going to play on a song for her. So it's really fantastic. She's making a new record right now. Look out for her. Look out for these new things I'm putting my hands on, these new kids I want to work with, these new things in the future. Just pay attention to my, to my, my work. You know, absolutely. And our brand and our love. We 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 come in here every day. Well, not every day. I'm sorry. Monday through Friday. Um, <laughs> kids on the weekends. But I want to really make sure that the world keeps paying attention to that. We're trying to keep classic music alive. We're trying to keep things alive that we don't want to forget about. You know, core changes, uh, yes. bridges, 
Yes. Live instruments. <laughs> please. Always. Please. <laughs> okay. Okay. God bless you. Thank you. So wonderful getting to speak with Narda. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Song Facts Podcast. And if you did, tell a friend and share this episode. As always, we're proud to be a member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Check out our brother and sister podcasts on Pantheon, including my other podcast, Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes. Thank you so much for listening to Song Facts Podcast. And for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com. See you next month. Peace. Get you some facts. Get you some facts right here. Get you some facts. Get you some facts right here. achieve the American dream. The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who kill their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.